Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace. Where can we go, Lord, when thou hast the words of eternal life? You are the king, the creator. You are the savior of mankind through Christ your son. And we come to thee for encouragement, for strength, for wisdom, for understanding. Help us to be receptive. Help us to be humble and open to your word that he may penetrate on good ground, into good ground, and bring forth much fruit to your honor and glory. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> With the Lord's help, I'd like to turn to a, a well-known psalm, Psalm 100. Psalm 100, it's a short one, but a very uh, deep in its meaning and practical application for us. So Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter in his, into his gates with thanksgiving, and unto his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations may the Lord bless the reading of his word let's kneel before the Lord to pray dear father It is so good to bow before a God who we know in the depths of our heart is a good God. A God who is so gracious. And just in this short psalm, those of us that know thee, our hearts are thrilled. We have the same feelings as the psalmist did years ago, thousands of years ago, as the children of Israel did as they sang this song. As, as Thy people were called to worship, and now as we are called to worship thee, to bow before thee as a people, dear Father, thou art good. Thy mercy endureth forever. Dear Father, we offer now the fruit of our lips, giving thanks and praise unto thee, dear Father, and, and we proclaim this, we say this to thee, because we know that we are not worthy, and this goodness that is bestowed upon us is not because we are good of ourselves, or we have such great merit, dear Father, but it is because thou hast taken a people of, of no account, scattered, lost, lonely people, and has gathered them together in Christ Jesus. And dear Father, and it is in that name, and it is him that we are chiefly and, and above all else thankful for, the Savior of our souls. It's in his name that we pray this morning and give the offering of thanks. Dear Father, this is a good day of grace. This is a day in which the gospel of Jesus Christ can be proclaimed here in this land, in this city. 
to these people, dear Father, and we pray that it would have its effect. And those hearts that are not truly thankful, that don't truly know the depth of the grace that can make them whole, the great gift that has been given to them that can transform them, that can change their whole lives, their whole outlook, those that don't know it, this day, they can hear that message. They can be changed. They can become truly thankful people, truly blessed people. Dear Father, what an opportunity it is today to proclaim that. Dear Father, give the brother boldness to proclaim that. Give him grace. Give him wisdom. Dear Father, we know already all that we have received from thee and those that are thy children. To be reminded this morning hour is a blessing too. Just to be able to recount, to look back, to see all the different ways that we can be thankful, dear Father, and then also to be reminded and to be encouraged to live that, to live in a way that truly reflects that, that we are thankful, that, that we have uh, a whole life of gratitude that we can lay down before Thee and say, now, Lord, what wilt Thou have us do? How wilt Thou have us interact and, and be? And we know, dear Father, that in so many ways that starts with being thankful here and now. Dear Father, we do thank Thee for this day, this country, even the government. Dear Father, we thank Thee for the, the peace, the safety that we enjoy. These are good times by all accounts and all measures, dear Father. Even though we see storm clouds on the horizon, even though we see the changing of society and the, and the corrupting of, of, of public morals and, and all the things that those that love Thee and love Thy truth are grieved about, dear Father, those are not reasons to despair. Those are reasons to look for and to haste unto thy coming. Dear Father, help us to do that with courage, with boldness. Dear Father, we pray for thy word in other countries that where this opportunity is not so open, where governments are persecuting and where believers are in prison and uh, it is very difficult on the, on the face of it to, to spread thy gospel. Dear Father, be with them and strengthen their hands and uh, work, let thy power be apparent, dear Father, as we know it is in the weakness and in the difficulty there, the strength of God, the strength of Christ is made perfect. We pray that in the lives of our brothers and sisters who are going through difficulties too, in their weakness and in their illnesses and in their frailties and their trials and doubts and temptations, in all of our trials and doubts, dear Father, we pray that thy strength would be perfected. Dear Father, we thank Thee now for all these things, and we ask now for the blessing that comes from the reading of Thy Word, the meditating upon it, that, that pure, sweet water that is so refreshing to the soul. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dearly beloved, <clears throat> this past week I received a, a link from a friend of mine in Australia. It was regarding the church in Seged, Hungary. It was shot in around 1994. And uh, I remember being in, in Seged in 1987 and uh, had some fond memories there. Uh, met uh, a few believers that actually came to visit us in Toronto, in the Toronto Church. 
some are living in um, Windsor. We have members here in our church uh, from the Saget congregation, the Ordogs, the Nagis, Brother Gabor, who was from there, I believe. Um, and I sent this to a sister in Windsor, Sister Anita Tar, who was a Kish. And she said when she saw this, it made her tear up because there were so many memories from that church. And as a matter of fact, that old church was where the last baptism occurred in which she was in. So she has many fond memories of the Saga church. And, and as I peered around on the video, it looked so inviting. <clears throat> the courts, if you will, you can call them the courts, they had some trees and benches and vines and whatever it was. They had a notice board to show you some members on this notice board. I believe I saw Brother Shandor Herpe's name on there, who we know is Sister Helen's brother. I think I recognized Brother Zoli's father or uncle. He looked very much like Brother Jim. And it brought this warm feeling to me that we are connected. We are connected over time. We are connected over land and sea. But more so, we are connected by God through his Holy Spirit. And I'm wondering what it was like back in the time of Christ when people came from all over the place to see Jerusalem, to see the temple. I could just imagine them coming over the hills and in the, in the dales and, and along roads, dusty roads, all pouring into Jerusalem at the time of the Passover or the Pentecost or the other feast, the Day of Atonement, right? The Feast of the Tabernacles. How they all came into Jerusalem, their happy home, the home of the city of God. And how joyful they were coming in to, to be together in this one place where God was present in a very special way, where sacrifices were being held according to the law of Moses. And the psalmist, it doesn't say who the psalmist is, it doesn't say it's David, could very well be, but the psalmist had this great inspiration in this chapter that we've read, Psalm 100. There are 150 psalms. And this is two-thirds of the way through. And, and the psalmist is so grateful and thankful for what he has, for who God is, for what he does for him and the people of Israel. Today is known as the Canadian Thanksgiving. The Americans have got it in November sometime. I forget which, which week, but um, it's a special day that was sort of marked by, if you will, the coming of the Puritan fathers or the Plymouth Brethren to Plymouth Rock, somewhere on the east coast of, of America, because they fled apparently persecution, uh, oppression, and wanted to have a free, free freedom of religion. And not all the stories that we hear are exact are the same, but, but that's where the, apparently they had 
a feast with the local Indians. And uh, Thanksgiving was then declared as a public holiday, I forget what century, that this will be now a time when we give Thanksgiving. And what was it for? It was to God. It was to God. Thanksgiving to God. Today, Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving for anything. But we as believers know why we thank God. The hymn that we sing, we sang this morning, Now Thank We All Our God, actually was written by a German by the name of Martin Rinkart. And he actually wrote it. He was, a, he was a songwriter. He was a musician. He was also a deacon in one of the churches in Germany for many years, and especially during the 30-year war. And he wrote this song, Non danke alles Gott. I think I got it right. Now thank we all our God as a meal thanksgiving. Every time they would sit down, perhaps at a meal, they would sing it. And it was translated into English later on, and it's a well-known hymn throughout this world. Now thank we all our God. We, we know the words, we just sang them. But it was sung during a time of, a, of, of, of a pestilence like we have today. They had a a great plague where many, many people died. This Rinkart was burying up to 50 people a day as a, as a deacon, as a minister. At the height of the, of the plague, he was burying 50 people a day. He even had a funeral service for his own wife. But it was a, a very devout believer that believe that we need to thank God for everything. What does thanking God do? How is that related to our relationship to him and his actual godly God character, his deity? When we thank God, we elevate we exalt his goodness because God is good he gives he gives to the the Bible says to the to the um, everyone to the believe to the believers and to the unbelievers he gives to everyone his common grace he gives to everyone and everyone should give him thanks and that exalts his goodness. When we praise God, they sort of go hand in hand. When we praise God, it exalts God's greatness. How great he is. How majestic he is. How powerful he is. But then when we worship God, which again goes hand in hand. It exalts how holy God is. But today we're mostly focusing on being thankful and why it's important for us to be thankful. You know, in the book of um, Hebrews, chapter 12, it says the 
Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let me repeat that. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom, because we as believers are receiving a kingdom from God, Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Like here we have all three of them. Thankfulness, worship, and praise. And if you look at the word grace here, say how can we have grace? God has grace. God gives us grace. What can we do that we can have grace? What does that mean? If you look at this word in the Strong's Concordance, it's got various different, and it's used differently in different places. It actually can be used to say, let us be thankful. And there are many translations. I think I went through the compare and Esau, and I found about six, seven, eight translations that actually use, let us be thankful. Let us have thanksgiving. And then it says that we may serve God. And again, I look through concordance, and that word serve not only means serve, but it can mean worship. In several translations. We may serve God acceptably with reverence. Why? Because he's holy. God is holy. And godly fear. We went through our holiness series. Uh, we had many, many sermons from this pulpit on holiness. And one statement that came out of that stuck, stuck with me, that the most important thing about you and me is how we view God. That's the most important thing. Because on how we view God will determine which direction we go in life. What decisions we make. And how we view ourselves then, in contrast to God. So in Psalm 100, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. He didn't say just Israel, everyone. It's a command. Make a joyful noise. And that joyful noise, in, in other versions of the Bible, is really saying, shout unto the Lord. You say, well, we don't do that in the ACC. We don't shout. But this is the, the, the kind of exuberance that a believer should have, that his soul is shouting to God. How great you are. How majestic you are. How powerful you are. How mighty you are. In praise to God. And then it says again, here's that word again, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve him. Come before him and do what he asks you to do. It could also, again, based upon what we just heard, be worship the Lord in this way. Many times we say, well, our life is a worship to God. It is true. In general, generally speaking, our life is a worship to God by how we approach everything. Because when we make decisions, do, do we keep God in the foreground of our mind? How can I now deal with this? 
What should I do, God? Or do we do it on our own and then make big mistakes many times? So we serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing, praising him. Because he's worthy to be praised. So I just want to go to a few scriptures now in, for example, the New Testament to see how the New Testament believers viewed this. And we're looking at, uh, to start with Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There's that word grace again, charis. In, in uh, different languages, the, the uh, French, Latin, any Latin language, the, the words for, for thanks are very similar. Gratis, grazia, grazie. They all come from the Latin word for thankfulness. And when we do sing with grace in our hearts, we are mindful and thankful that God is giving us everything that we have. Nothing that we have or own, we can attribute to our own doing. If I can just go quickly back to highlight that in um, Psalm 100. He says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. God made us. We didn't make ourselves. God provides for us. You can't say, I, 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 I made this myself. I did this all by myself. I got this here. I got that there. I bought this. Who made everything? We would be nothing or have nothing if God didn't first give us the fruit of the field, the, the crops, the living organisms, the cattle, the sheep, the rain. All of that comes from God. God made us and we didn't make ourselves and we are his people. We are God's people. And we are the sheep of his pasture. He provides the pasture. The sheep graze on his pasture. So we see in Colossians 3 again. And whatsoever you do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. He said, everything that you do, we do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. In everything give thanks, Paul writes in another place. In everything give thanks. So this, this raises a very important question. And the question is this, when we go through life and we make decisions, can we, for every decision that we've made,
can we truly go back on our knees and say, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, that I did this today, or you enabled me to do this. This is a very deep question. Could you go onto the internet and surf things and look at things that are not appropriate or sinful? Could you then go back to your bed at night and say, God, thank you for letting me surf the web? The things that we say when we talk with each other, the exchange of words when we say things to each other, can we go back and say, thank you, God, for this pleasant conversation I had today? Or did toxins come out of our mouth? Did bitterness come out of our mouth? Did anger come out of our mouth? And by the way, Jesus says whatever comes out of the mouth is in the heart. That which comes out of the mouth is in the heart. What defiles a man is that which comes out of his heart, not what goes into his mouth. So can we kneel at night time or during the day, because the Bible says, Paul says, pray unceasingly. We heard that not long ago in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray unceasingly, without ceasing. Anything that we do, can we then say, God, thank you for letting me do this today? There's a check. It's no more your minister or your mom or your dad or your brother telling you, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Can we thank God for everything that we do? If we can't, then we shouldn't do it. Or be, if we can't, we should be careful. I'm not going to say everything because people can have a hard time thinking, well, is it wrong to eat peaches? No. It's right to eat peaches. We thank God for it. Or is it wrong to eat ice cream? No, it's right to eat ice cream. We thank God for it. But if we eat too much ice cream and we overindulge, it is wrong. If we're gluttons, the, you know, the Bible talks about gluttony. The Bible talks about wine bibbers. The Bible talks about anything that defiles a man. And it's a good guide, a limit we can place upon ourselves. If I can put it that way, it's a limit. If we can truly say, I cannot go to God and say, God, thank you for this task or this experience that I had today or what I said or what I did, then maybe we shouldn't have done it. Paul the Apostle says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. So if it's not your faith and my faith to do something, and then we can say, thank you, God, for that, then maybe we shouldn't have done that. I think it's a very important point for us to learn. We have the same similar scripture, and you wonder, why are they so similar? Well, it's the same author. And uh, we may say, yeah, it's Paul. No, it's God. In the same Holy Spirit directed the Apostle Paul, inspired the Apostle Paul, with very similar wording in Ephesians chapter 5, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. You're praising God. It may not be uttered through your mouth, but in your heart there is this melody that is ringing. This, it's triggered by joy. It's motivated by joy. 
It's motivated by love for God that we have this melody in our hearts. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. Just in case we missed it in Colossians, it says here the same thing. In all things we give thanks. I think it's 1 Corinthians 10 says, is it? It says, for whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. Now that we mentioned 1 Corinthians 10, I think we should visit that. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, speaking about, starting at chapter 8, Paul the Apostle speaks about liberties. How people take liberties in churches, but, but they may offend some because the consciences of the weak are being violated. And even eating meat unto, offered unto idols in itself was not wrong. You're not, you're not worshipping the idol, you're eating the meat because it's cheap, you got it at the market. But if your brother sees you doing that and his conscience is grieved, he said, it's better you don't eat meat until the world stands, as long as the world stands. And he goes on through this, and, and you see uh, this theme going on through chapter 9 and chapter 10. But then he says, there's a, there's a time when your liberty could become a big problem. He talked about the, the nation of Israel escaping from, from uh, Egypt, and they wandered through the wilderness. And he says, these things that happened to the people in, in Egypt were done and written down for your example. These things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They're up to mischief. They're up to immorality. It wasn't playing volleyball or basketball. It was sexual uh, immorality. And it says here, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000. God destroyed 23,000. The Old Testament says 24. The New Testament was written on the, um, on the Greek uh, translation and it says 23. So let's not get the Septuagint. Let's not get too mixed up with that one. But there fell 23, 24,000 people in one day. And then he said, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. These were big sins. Fornication, idolatry. And then he says, Neither murmur ye. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmuring? What is murmuring? Complaining. What's another word for complaining? Being unthankful. Being unthankful. Why do I get all the problems in life? Why do I have less than my neighbor? Why doesn't God give me this? Is that all we got? The, the fridge is empty. 
It's usually full, but the fridge is empty. And we complain, we murmur. In God's eyes, that is a moral sin, if I can put it. It is a moral issue. It's a sin to be unthankful. You know how it is with children when they have everything they want, but they don't want what's on their dish. They want what's sweet, what's comfort for them. They don't want to eat the greens, whatever, right? But at the young age, you've got to teach them why they need to eat this food. It's good for them. It's beneficial. So he says, those that murmured were unthankful. In the book of Romans, talks about the, the, the history of mankind, how they saw God for who he was, but they worshipped the creature more than the creator, as did the people in the wilderness, and neither were they, were they thankful. They were, that was the, the indictment. They were not thankful. They were murmurers. They were complainers. After God had delivered them with a mighty hand out of Egypt, after he had delivered them from their bondage, from their slavery, from the toil, from the oppression, from their suffering, and they come out and say, I don't like this manna. Do we have to eat manna every day? So God sent them quails. He sent them quails and they were eating until it came out of their nostrils. And God dealt with them. That's how serious God views unthankfulness. Now, many, many of us, including myself, we go through times of difficulty, times of trouble, times of suffering, times of pain, and we don't want to belittle that. And many times we say, I wish I could take his place because I can't bear to see them suffer. You all know of Nicky Vujicic. He was born on the night that Millie and I had our wedding shower in Australia. He was part of the congregation where Millie went. And he put a big damper on the whole evening because Dushka Vujicic had given birth to a baby without arms and without legs. And when they presented the baby to her, she said, take him away. But after she had composed her emotions, she embraced him. And we know what, where he is today. I just want to read you, um, if you will, a testimony. I've got it down here so I don't waste time and mince words. He appeared on a very famous show that the whole nation could see and the hostess opened up with this. For years Nick was harassed and tormented at school. At the age of 10 he attempted suicide. After years of feeling worthless and alone, Nick's awakening came while reading an article about a disabled man who refused to let physical limitations hold him back. In that moment, Nick discovered that he had the power to take control of his life as he has. Nick was so depressed, bullied and harassed at school 
he attempted suicide at the age of 10 by turning over in a bathtub and drowning himself. But he told me when he thought about his mom and dad coming to his funeral, he couldn't do it. And then she asked him, what happened that this change took place? How could this chemistry, being born without arms and legs, how could the connections with, with all his, with his relationships now, how could life's circumstances and his state of consciousness be such, and then he can choose to make a conscious choice of taking the path that he did? Undeniably, Nick, at least at the way the world sees it, was given a bad hand. He had every reason to complain. He had every reason to be unthankful. He had every reason to think that God didn't love him or didn't care. So, Nick, he came to our church on two or three occasions, some of you remember. He asked the hostess, can I demonstrate in order to answer your questions what to do? And he, and he sort of bobbled down the aisle like a vegetable, and then he said this. The chemistry I could not change. I was born without arms and legs. I know that God, he did not give me this pain for what the enemy tried to use for bad. But God used it for good. Then he jumps onto the first step. And then the connection. He said, I am a guy that loves Porsches more than Ferraris. And I want to know, I want you to know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he's using the, the car analogy that there, wonderfully made. I want you to know until you understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, you will always be trapped. You will always be chained. And you will always be stopped. But when you have incredible faith in action, nothing holds you back. And you are beautiful just the way God made you. For me, I felt the connection. For me in my life, I thought, I'm never going to get married. I can't even hold my wife's hand. What connection am I going to have? But you know what? He got married. <laughs> I think he's got four kids now. A pair of twins. Beautiful wife. What thought was to be impossible, God made possible. And he says, he jumps onto the second steps, all things come together for the good for them that love him. Romans 8, 28. Concerning circumstances, being born without arms and legs, it's all about choice. He had never had a choice about being born without limbs. But he said, I had parents who were my heroes. They always said, you can be angry for what you don't have. You can be angry for what you don't have. But be thankful for what you do have. And then he said, do your best and God will do the rest. He said this out of experience, not as a cliche. 
And one time he had the faith, said, Mom, go get me a suit. Because I believe God can give me limbs. And then lastly he said, Consciousness, because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He jumps onto the stage there. And the renewing of my mind, I knew that I could be unstoppable. We may think that our pain is the greatest. We may have in our minds every reason to complain. And I'm not belittling, as I said, people's difficult situations. But by focusing on Christ, by focusing on God, by being thankful for what we do have, it takes the edge off. And God, in some way, sometimes, somewhere, will perform. If not on this earth, in the world to come. But he'll give us grace, as he said to the Apostle Paul. He'll give us grace, for his grace is sufficient for him. And his grace is made perfect in weakness. Look at, look at Nick Vujicic today. He's visited presidents. He's preached to millions and millions and millions of people. I was going to go on to praise, but again, we're out of time. But God says, be thankful in all that we do, in all that we do. And if we are, cannot be thankful to God for it, then maybe we shouldn't be doing it. But thankfulness in every trial that we go through, what it does is builds us confidence. It gives us that, that courage to face the future, believing and trusting that God will once again perform it. We've seen it in our church We've seen answered prayers. We've seen a long time ago with Josiah when he was born that blue baby. And one by one after the other, miracles, the latest of course being Sister Olga's blood uh, marrow transfusion opportunity. When we're thankful, he can, God can perform miracles. He can perform great things in our lives. Why? Because he wants to not glorify us he wants to glorify himself and he'll do everything to do that to him be the glory evermore amen they call this the benediction which is another word latin word for blessing i guess the idea is that as the service closes uh, a final blessing is um, pronounced on the congregation what blessing could I pronounce or wish on all of us we are already so blessed we've already received so much we just have to look around ourselves look within ourselves and realize there is so much reason to be thankful for what God has given us we are blessed. Those of us that know him and, and you that don't know him, you are so blessed too. You don't realize how much God has given you on this earth. 
Now he's asking, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to know that he is the Lord, that he is God that has made you? Are you going to enter into his gates? Are you going to uh, make a joyful noise unto him? And as you do that, then you will be truly thankful and you will be blessed. As we've been reminded this morning, those people that are thankful, they are truly the blessed ones. Uh, with that, we'll conclude the service and now we'll call everyone up who would like to sing. <laughs>